Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Drysdale Show. And today we have David Metcalf, who runs the Refreshingly Honest Christian Podcast. Um, I was uh, privileged enough to be on his podcast recently, and I um, just got on like a house on fire with the guy. I mean, we really clicked. And so I, I was desperate to have him on, hear more about his journey, um, and and just talk about all kinds of great stuff. We go into a whole bunch of different things in this uh, podcast. Before we start, just want to remind you the deconstructionnetwork.com is a free resource to help people that are deconstructing find other people that are deconstructing in their local area. This can be a painful, lonely, isolating um, uh, journey for a lot of people. They lose friends, family, church communities, um, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You know, this is one of the biggest movements in the Western world. Um, and even beyond that, there is a vast quantity of people that are deconstructing their faith. And so um, there are people around you going through this. And, um, and the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great free resource that helps you find those people. Even if there isn't someone in your area right now, the fact that you join will mean that there is for the next person that finds it in your area. Um, so there's only about 2,000 people in the world on there right now, which is a huge amount of people already and really exciting um, hearing so many stories of people connecting all over the world from um, from London to Chile to San Fran to Dallas to Sydney. I mean, it's just everywhere people are connecting and it's, it's amazing to hear um, the stories. And so if you're going through this alone, I would really encourage you to check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. Um, and check out the research we're doing on people that are deconstructing as well. You can become a part of that. It's a completely um, uh, free, no obligation uh, thing that you can do, um, but it helps us in our changing the narrative and putting data-driven uh, research and, and, and facts and figures and reports out there in the world to help change the narrative on people that are deconstructing. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's dive into the conversation with David Metcalf. How you doing? You doing enough? Oh, oh man, uh, I'm doing fine. How are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But okay. uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's been a, an interesting few weeks, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. But, uh, it feels like uh, the year that will never end, doesn't it? It's, uh, it's, yeah. And with the election, and if we have a winner, but we have a president who's holding our country hostage. It's uh -huh. <laughs> it's a it's a weird one. I saw um so I used to be a part of Bethel and um, I saw Chris Vallotton posted a big like I don't know if you're familiar with Bethel and Chris Vallotton and those guys, but he posted a, an apology and I was like, whoa, well done. And he was like, uh -huh. hey guys, he's like, I don't. It was it was it was kind of like this weird humble brag almost, but he's like, I've never got an election pre prophecy wrong. He's like, and I I have always said, if you're wrong, you need to own up. You need to say something. He's like, I was wrong. Totally missed it. I thought God had said Trump would be in again. He's not in, and so I'm really sorry. I blew it. Um, and I was like, okay, you kind of that was it was okay. It was, it was okay. Um, but then like every single person posted in his uh in this thing, you know what they're posting. They're like, oh, it's not over yet. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, Some people were going, Chris, you're going to have to post a public apology to God for not believing him because Trump will be president the second time. You know, all these different things. But anyway, I just, um, some of my followers, we've got like a private discussion group and um, they they notified me. They were like, because they know, I mean, I'm always intrigued by Bethel. And they were like, did you see he deleted his post? 
and wow. said, hey, I was probably premature. We should really just see what happens. Maybe he will be president. And I'm just like, oh, because to me, I was like, that was a big step for him. I mean, he it wasn't like I can see how this is totally an area I can't be unbiased. I can I can see how like I shouldn't probably be. Uh, telling people that God is saying to vote for someone or someone is God's candidate. It wasn't that far, that advanced. But just to say, hey, I screwed up and I may have actually, you know, that might have been inappropriate um, for me to say it yeah. so clearly when I was clearly wrong. Uh, I was yeah. like, that's a big step. And then he's just like, uh, well, actually, maybe I'm right. Okay, delete. <laughs> and I'm like, damn it. <laughs> Which actually did more harm than good because so yeah, many people like, were like, oh, that's kind of healing to me. And then he deleted it and was like, no, no, I'm, uh, it might be, he might, might be. Uh, yeah yeah no it's 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 bizarre man that's for sure yeah he almost had a redeeming moment and then Mm -hmm. uh had to you know rescind it yeah yeah even just this morning i saw trump said in all caps as he often does we will win and it's like dude it's over like that's so weird right it's bizarre that's yeah. like um like a interview with like uh the, the footballer of the defeated side after the game and they're like oh tell us about the game what do you think and they're like we will win. The thing that's more, most troublesome for me is I'm as I'm not necessarily concerned about him stealing no. the election. It's more the seventy million Republicans who think that something was stolen from yep. them, mm-hmm. and so that in and of itself, I think is most dangerous and it's what's splitting our country. You know, it's absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And how yeah. you begin to make them feel safe, heard, whatever, um, to the point where they are able to move forward and whatever that looks like. And obviously the things that they need are so far removed from what, the other half of the country are looking for and hoping to move towards it's just yeah. uh how do you even begin it's it's crazy how it different is, it is. It's, it's bizarre times that's for sure really really crazy but uh yeah, yeah it's all good yeah man okay i say it's all good people will die um but you know <laughs> jesus morbid but uh, yeah but also some reality in in there but i get yeah of yeah. course yeah and it's and at the same time like oh there's been some amazing breakthroughs like you know seeing trans people you know uh, elected there's there's so many more people of uh color people um who are lgbtq like a whole bunch of different um stuff that we're seeing move forward and more people than ever going i want to be anti-racist or i'm gonna you know um examine my sexism and, and question that or my nationalism or whatever and well, there's a whole bunch that are like very vocal that we haven't seen be vocal for a long time. I don't think they've been made out of progressive, inclusive people that became Trump supporters. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. I think the actual amount of people that have become progressive and inclusive and maybe looking to be anti-racist stuff, that is growing and that's exciting. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just another 50, 60 years. We'll be fine. <laughs> if the yeah. planet's still here, you know, whatever else happens, if we live through the yeah. civil war to come. Yeah, absolutely, man. For sure. Gosh. Anyway, we should get cracking. I don't know. Maybe that'd be it. Um, Yeah. Are are you you good to go? You you ready? Yeah, I'm set, man. What time is it there for you right now? It is 2.30 in the afternoon. Oh, perfect. Perfect. That's great. The early for you. 
and it is a little bit early for me, but I, I dig it. It's uh, I see a rising sun, but no, man, I'm good. I'm ready. Yeah, let's let's dive in, and, and so we can um, we just talk about you, your journey, and then we'll see what else comes up. I don't know. We've got a lot of similar interests and stuff, so we should have some uh, yeah. interesting conversation. But yeah, man. Uh, I did. cool, David. <clears throat> Why don't you give yourself a bit of an introduction? I, the, the, the thing I know you from is, is you've had me on your podcast and I, and I know you from Instagram, but you are the refreshingly honest Christian. Um, and uh, I, I wonder if you could give me a bit of an overview of who, who that is, what that is, um, maybe, and then maybe we can go into the journey that's brought you to that place. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny, like, refreshingly honest Christian is a name that will like forever haunt me. It's like everything that you do is steeped in irony. Like, um, and I, and I want to be clear, like, I don't really, I'm not like the refreshingly honest Christian. I, I think, uh, I myself like to think of myself as a person who is, um, embraced honesty, uh, in my faith. And, uh, and, and yeah, and I, I see a lot of quote unquote, refreshingly honest, people, uh, whether they be Christians or atheists or whatever, wherever they're at, um, you know, skeptics, believers, whatever, everywhere in between. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I just have to give that one quick caveat, but you know, for me, my, my background really is, um, pretty simple. So, um, I grew up, uh, in a very like non-religious home and like church was not a part of my life. Christianity was not a part of my life. Um, and it wasn't until I was in high school and I, uh, got saved <laughs> at a winter camp. Um, wow. and, um, uh, yeah, through just like some, some friends and, uh, and basically just throughout high school kind of vacillated in my faith back and forth. And then, you know, right after I graduated, I thought, you know what, like, I think I want to be a pastor, <laughs> So this light bulb went off in my head. Uh, and, um, and so, yeah, I, I, you know, I did the internships. I went to Bible college, like many people. Um, I, you know, spent a few years in ministry and uh, ultimately Phil has just found that it wasn't for me. Uh, hmm. That, that soil uh, was not conducive to where I felt like my faith was taking me. Um, hmm. The honesty that I was having with myself it made me realize, oh, I have to play a part here, much like what, you know, in the Bible, like Jesus talks about the Pharisees, like the hypocrites, right? It's yeah. A lot of us, when we hear the word hypocrite, we think, oh, that's just somebody who's doing something, um, or, you know, doing something and telling you not to do it, uh, which is one way of putting it. But really what I found is like, it's, it's a different definition, which is these are play actors. These are people who are pretending, right? Mm. Um, and then that's not to say that all pastors are that way. Um, but I did find ultimately uh, <laughs> that it just wasn't for me, right? Um, mm. There's a lot of things in ministry. A lot of uh, a lot of people do really good work. I think in the in, like for whatever reason, uh, it works for them, but it just didn't work for me. And so, uh, yeah, the podcast um, kind of was born out of that through my own sort of exodus uh, sort of, uh, I guess outside of the church, um, you know, I, I really started to question a lot of my faith, like have some serious doubts about my faith, things that I've always had that have always really been in there since the beginning. Mm. Uh, but, uh, again, I wasn't able, I w at the place that I was in the community that I was around, um, I wasn't allowed to be honest. And so, um, 
you know, I've oh, I always had those, but now that I'm in a place where I don't feel like I have to put on a show for people, I feel like I'm, yeah, it's really freeing. So yeah, the podcast has kind of just been an extension of that, uh, where I'm just able to have conversations with other people, like-minded people like yourself, Phil, like you, yeah. again, you, I had you on the show and it's just been really great, man. Like I, you know, um, yeah, I, I really, and I still have that same kind of sort of like pastoral heart in that I, and I know you have this as well, where I just want to help people, um, as much, as much as I can. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, it's, it, the podcast is just a way for me to kind of explore and figure out what I believe. So mm, that's awesome. So wh- what was it? Cause it, it kind of cracks me up that you went through like high school at some point through high school, you got saved. Were you one of these kids that got like lured in with the pizza? Like, cause that was the go-to youth group mechanism, right? This is how we're going to get, tell your friends, we got pizza, bring them yeah. along on Friday or whatever. But like, so, but you weren't really, really serious. It sounds like when you were in your kind of your teens, you kind of in a bit, bit up and down was, is that right? Yeah, no, that's, that's fair to say. I, I, I don't, I wasn't totally lured by pizza, although I know that strategy well as, as you know, a guy who spent some time as like a youth pastor. You then applied uh, it yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I mean, so for me, I think what a lot of, what a lot of it had to do with was music actually. So for a long time, I, I actually wanted, I always, uh, I wanted to be in a band and I always thought I was going to be like a, like a touring musician uh, with some, and, um, and so these friends that I'd met in high school, I met them in a guitar class and, uh, and this was, there was like this scene, I think a lot of people would identify, there was like this, the scene kid hardcore phase that a lot of kids went through, uh, which I'm finding, you know, wasn't just specific to this little region that I was in. But anyway, um, yeah, so these kids, they dressed, they act like, acted like me, they played, you know, they played guitar, they were in bands, they were, you know, they were into skateboarding, they were into all these other things that I was into, but they also went to church. So they invited mm. me and, and uh, yeah, it was funny. Like I remember when they first told me uh, they were Christians, it was so awkward. They were like, mm. you know, <laughs> they, it was as if they were like confessing something to me because like they were embarrassed. Right. right. And they're like, Hey, so we just want to tell you something, <laughs> you know, we were in this guitar class and, you know, uh, and we're, we're, well, we hope you don't hate us, but we're Christians. And I'm like, okay. Uh, anyway, cool. Yeah. That's cool, man. No, I, whatever. I don't, you know, I never, but, and I get where that comes. There's like this weird yeah. stigma. I understand now, but I'm like, cool at the time. And so anyway, I went, started going to church with them and they were a part of a very charismatic mega church mm. uh, that, and, and it, yeah, it was like an enormous youth group. They had, at the time they had like a, like a skate park. They had, you know, they pulled out all the stops, right. It was like, it was like the church that doesn't just have pizza. It was like, we put on a full freaking show here. Nice. And so, yeah, I was never really drawn by that, but I was always curious about God, you know, like many of us, like, like what is going on here? Right. Like, yeah. um, like, the most interesting infinite topic, God. Right. So I'm like, of course this is interesting. Um, so yeah, I went to a winter camp, uh, that year, like one of my, one of those friends, his parents paid for it. Cause I was such a, I, you know, I'm, I was like a poor kid. I grew up in like such a poor family that my, my grandparents couldn't afford it. 
And so uh, I went, I responded to this very like, you know, worshipful altar call, um, which we could get into is like a whole like emotional manipulation in and of itself. Right. But, <laughs> but I felt at the, in that moment, what I was responding to was authentic. Um, and I always joked like, yeah, like maybe Jesus was the savior of my life, but I, around that time he wasn't the Lord of my life. Right. It's, it's all, it's so cheesy, but all throughout high school, uh, you know, I, again, I, I, I never would have considered myself an atheist, but I was, I definitely was, I, you know, I flowed in and out of, you know, being very agnostic at the same time. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess Christianity, it's like sort of the default. Um, but yeah, that was kind of what, what spurred it on. And then, uh, you know, come it, it, and it's so weird as I, as I started getting close, you know, further and further into my faith, a lot of these friends they're I always, I used like my Christian, you know, testimony way of putting this is, you know, as, as my, fr- as I got cl- closer to the Lord, my friends, you know, got farther and farther away. Right. Started to and drift these, away. And these kids were like fundamentalists, like grew up in it. Their parents made them go to the church. It was like hardwired mm. into their DNA. And looking back, it's like, I realized just how, what the reason they were drawn to me, Phil, is because I was like a breath of secular air and um and then it was so confusing because i'm like guys what the heck like it worked you converted me and now you're like done what's that about so that was confusing yeah so anyway that was kind of that was the beginning (laughs) if you will Mm. yeah yeah that's so fast there's so many things in that that just fascinate me like i i I think of like when i was that age teenage age there, there was this such an overwhelming pressure of you were constantly hammered into you. Well, the people in your school are going to hell. They're going to burn forever. And the only Jesus they'll meet might be you. You know, they're not going to read their Bible. They're not going to, you know, whatever. Uh, They're not going to come to church. You're the only only person might be you. And if they get hit by a bus or whatever. And so it was constantly on my mind, stuff like that. And I can imagine these kids, like they're friends of you. They like you, right? You're the breath of fresh air. There's something a bit different, probably a bit exciting because it's not like, you know, you go to church and you meet everyone else that's just born and bred Christian. Like, oh, this is great. And they're sitting there thinking like, shit, we need to tell them we're Christians and maybe even see if we can get him to be a Christian but we hope he doesn't like hate us and then not hang out with us anymore. You know, it was this weird time. Yeah. But it, it, it does, it, it exposes something in us where we all, all of us have had to do that kind of evangelism component. Maybe not all. I think some people genuinely just live, breathe that stuff and don't feel some form mm. of fear. I, most people I, I talk to, even when they seem like they don't feel fear, you talk to them and like, oh no, I'm terrified the whole time. Um, but there's something in that, if we peel back the layers that, that highlights that Christians know that being Christian is unpalatable to a lot of people. Just admitting, hey, I'm a Christian, people will potentially think less of us. And Uh, and and it's understandable. Yeah. And it's understandable because I mean, even in my own faith, like I've, I've noticed that sense of weariness, like, you know, you know, it's a Sunday and I go in for my morning coffee and the barista asks me, Hey, what are you doing today? And I have, if there's a moment where I can say, Oh, I'm going to church. Or I can just say like, Oh, just hanging out with some friends. I can, you know, and the reason we do that is because we want to avoid this awkwardness. Right. Um, but yeah, in their minds, it was very revealing. Like uh, it was as if they were like, it was, it was as if we were like, you know, around the table playing poker 
and they just showed me their hand. Like, mm. um, and I'm actually looking back, like, I'm actually really grateful to them for being so bumbling and awkward about it, you know, um, just because it really, it really stuck with me and it's, and it said a lot, like it showed me that these people who I love and, and really like at the time, like looked up to even, they were like upperclassmen even like, mm. uh, uh, it just made me think like, I don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, I also just had like a lot of like uh, sympathy for them because I felt like they were struggling with a lot of shame, you know? And, uh, it's kind of sad, you know, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, but it is, wow. it, it, there's a lot there. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's, and, and, and it does fascinate me that like the component of them as they approach their later teens, they start drifting away from their upbringing. In a sense, yeah. you're almost doing the opposite. You're, you know, it, the same thing, but it's an opposite component. You're finding this new, fresh identity that's yours, that, that you can own. And that looks like having some sort of faith. Maybe I'll be a pastor. Maybe I'll, you know, you're starting to get maybe more serious about it and, and dive in. But those that have been brought up in it with maybe very few choices that maybe do feel a bit of shame and, you know, aren't that, um, aren't so sure that it's their thing, that's something that they've inherited as they grow up. Right. And as, as you approach those later teen years, you do have this component psychologically that happens where we start going, Oh, I'm living my parents' life and I want to live my life. I want to, totally. that's what we call this teenage rebellion, but it's just part of growing up. Totally. Um, and so that different response is really fascinating. Um, Cause we see it, it's a huge deal, isn't it? How many, all the young people are leaving church, right? Which has always been a thing on some yeah. level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's, it, but you did the me, opposite. <laughs> Phil, the craziest part about this was, so the, the, the background that, that maybe you're not aware of is so the friend who I was like, who was in that guitar class, who was one of my best friends. We were in a band together. Uh, you know, we played shows together. We recorded music together. Um, so I, I mentioned a little bit like my grandparents raised me and I was in a poor family. So at the time I actually started living with this friend mm -hmm. because my family situation at home was so uh, dysfunctional and uh, his parents graciously took me in and um and so it was very strange i had a front row seat to him and his i at the time and i didn't know i didn't have words for it at the time you know this is like 2007 2008 uh he was going through a bit of deconstruction you know hmm. and looking back like it, it was so weird i always said like you know, we were friends and then we became brothers because we started living. I lived with him. I, you know, for, for like three years, I graduated high school because of him and his family. But mm -hmm. honestly, like what was so weird, and I've never actually talked about this uh, on a podcast, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, what's so weird about it is our friendship started to erode. It, it really started to disappear. And the more that I started to take my faith seriously, I think he actually resented me. And not only that, um, uh, I, I think what I, what I witnessed in him, uh, was a lot of his issues that he had with the church. Cause you know, you, you have all sort of like toxic ideas from your parents and his parents are still very fundamentalist, you know, the, uh, you know, Christians, they go to church every Sunday, they read, you know, that they literally like listen. I don't know if you know this station, K love, they like love K love. They listen to it every day. It's like, yeah, they're yeah. those types of Christians and nothing against yeah. them. 
they like four songs and that's it. <laughs> yeah. It, it's all, it's all pop. It's all like treble, yeah. no bass. Right. Um, and so, you know, these, you know, I remember having conversations with his parents, like they were worried about their kid who's like falling mm. away in their minds. And I remember, you know, having conversations with them about, you know, key scriptures, like train up your child in the ways of the Lord, you know, and they'll never depart from it. Right. Like, and it's like, and there's still like that hope for into this day, this person, you know, as far as I know, like, like has wants nothing to do with his, his, you know, his upbringing, his faith. Mm. And, uh, and so, yeah, man, it's, it was very strange and like, um, and, and has a lot to do with where I, where I'm at today, I think actually. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's so strange and it might actually, I think it's very hard for us to look once, once we're deconstructing and, and we experience what it's like to deconstruct. Mm. Um, I think sometimes, sometimes if we're really self-aware, we can take a pause and we can look back in our lives and see people that deconstructed around us and see how we reacted and see how we responded and realize that we were good people, but we were total dicks or, you know, or whatever, or like not the best, we didn't respond the best ways or wasn't the most supportive or whatever, or we just gave all the pat answers. I think it takes a lot of self-awareness to kind of start to unpack that and see it. Um, But it, because because when we're going through it now, as we deconstruct, we can see people and we go, oh, gosh, classic rolling eyes. You know, it's like, of course, they're saying that. Of course, they're quoting that. It makes of sense. Course they're, totally. uh, but but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's I guess it must have been really interesting because you were very, in many ways, I guess we'd say young in your faith. You know, you, totally. were, you were quite immature. You just got saved. You're just kind of like figuring out what you're doing. You weren't <laughs> that passionate you were you were you were building up your passion you were building up your commitment yeah. you were building up how fundamental you were going to be like it must have been quite um like what what was going through your heads when you were like seeing this person leave were you were you going oh maybe this isn't like if this is the guy that kind of got me in maybe yeah. this is not the way to do it you see this a lot with cult um documentaries and stuff like that right you see the person right. that got brought into the cult and the person that brought them in suddenly leaves and you're like did that not make you think maybe I should leave as well? But they're like, yeah. no, 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 they were, they weren't really in and, and we're in and all these kind of things go on. Like mm. what happened with that? Like, was that something that you were thinking about at the time or did that not really kind of click? I, I was. And I, and I think it, to your point, Phil, like what was interesting was like, here's a person who invited me to a party. And as soon as I get there, he leaves. Hmm. So that's weird. But at the same time, again, at this point in our relationship, um, again, the deeper and deeper I got into it, you know, the more, you know, I always, it's, you can, you can, dude, you can spot a, a, you know, a new Christian, a new believer a mile away. They have like that zeal. They're a little bit like optimistic and about life. They, nothing bad will ever happen to them. Um, And so I think I had that, I mean, to him, that stench, you know, and I think, Mm he hated it. Right. And so yeah. our relationship was very fraught at that point. Um, but yeah, it was very strange again. Cause it was like, dude, like initially you introduced me to this. Now you want nothing to do with it. That's pretty weird mm. to me. Um, but I get it. I, I understand like, again, just based from his family alone and they're great people that, you know, I don't want to. Yeah. I mean, it sounds them. like they brought you in and like, you know, <laughs> they, I mean, yeah. they did a lot for me. And, and honestly, like if it weren't for them, I truly would not be where I am today. Like in many ways, um, they like, 
they helped me escape poverty. Like there, here's like, here's a middle-class family um, who, yeah, maybe has some pretty weird outdated views or beliefs about God, but what they're doing is they're doing, you know, their faith is, you know, expressing and it's being expressed in beautiful ways. Right. Like Mm. like, there's no denying that, but um, you know, really it it also had a lot to do with a new friend at that time. So um, again, this, this friend in particular, um, the one that I was living with, um, he was also, also like pretty like ho-hum, like kind of like Eeyore from like Winnie the Pooh, like kind of like a grumpy person. Um, and so like, it was funny, like I was actually never drawn to him because of his Christ likeness. Like, that's the funny thing. The only, the glue that bonded us together had nothing to do with, oh, I see a light in you. It was, we had mutual hobbies and that actually, that persisted, that actually held us together longer than the faith aspect. So anyway, Mm -hmm. I had this new friend come along right around, you know, the end of my senior year, who was just like a shining example, like, like it was as if like the Messiah himself walked in, like this, this person who's just like such an extrovert has a lot, had a lot to do with really like, um, I would say like strengthening my faith at that time. Hmm. And, and he, this guy in particular, like he's a, he's a ham. He's a, he's like a, he's like extroverted with a capital E. He's just the life of the party center of attention, uh, pu- great public speaker, um, and so that had a lot to do with me, like really like, uh, taking my faith seriously. And mm-hmm. so again, that relationship as it started, it really started to, and I'm really sad about it. Cause I, re- I really do still have a lot of love and respect for this person, but, um, but yeah, it, it really, my faith drove a wedge in between our relationship. Yeah. And at the time I wasn't willing to, uh, necessarily you know sacrifice that on the altar of just trying to get you to accept me and love me for who i am you know yeah and so this new friend you know he hated he hated that friend it was because he Mm. was like he thought he was annoying i remember having conversations with him about it but uh but yeah man i started going to church and every sunday like you hear this inspiring ted talk and you have like a you know uh (laughs) a life coach who wants to meet with you during the week. I'm like, huh, I'm about to graduate high school. What am I going to do with my life? Oh, every Sunday you see something that inspires you. I want to do this. And I feel like that's something that I see it a lot. in a lot of people who take their faith seriously Mm. is at one point or another, and this is fascinating to me. I don't know if you've observed this. I'm sure you have at one point or another, like, and it happened to me, this is, you know, this is a part of my story. If you're taking your faith at all seriously, (laughs) you will at one point or another consider going into vocational ministry as a pastor. Mm. If you have a penis. <laughs> if you have a penis. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. That's a whole some, other in some context, uh, yeah. maybe that might not be the requirement, but a lot it is. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I always find this, um, there is a component in the church that I think, for a lot of Christians, that the the narrative is changing and becoming a bit healthier. I've heard from a lot of different um, Christian 
backgrounds and, and very famous kind of um, platforms them being much more look everything is a ministry you can be an accountant and that is your ministry and you can be a stay-at-home mom or dad and that is your ministry very few stay-at-home dads in the christian world though they're not a big fan of those um but you know like you can be these things and that is a ministry that you don't have to be a missionary or a pastor or or whatever um and yet and yet we don't get up to the front the um, stay-at-home mom to share a testimony about how her kids this happened because she was been raising them in a christ-like way or we don't get the accountant up to the front to share a testimony about how whatever yeah. you know maybe maybe we do in some context and, and maybe that does happen more more and more hopefully um what we focus on and what we glorify is the missionary the pastor the evangelist yes. the whatever it is and and there does seem to be this self kind of feeding kind of cycle of mm-hmm. these are the positions where if you want the glory and and I don't think people are consciously maybe chasing the glory, right? I, I'm sure you weren't going, I want to be the person that everyone in this room respects, but you are yeah. kind of on some level as a team going, this looks like a great job. I yeah. get to share it to people and help people and inspire people. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a selfish or, well, or you know, and then, whatever. And then- yeah. might have components of it but but i think like it's it's natural for people to start going that's the job you're not looking at the accountant in the church and going i yeah. want to be that because no one gives a crap about the accountant guy <laughs> yeah no it's true to and i've and phil to your point like i've heard those same i've said those things at certain points like yeah like you can you don't have to be a pastor to you know to fulfill you know the will of god on your life you know that's one way of putting it yeah because uh, the will of God on your life might be a little bit less than mine. Exactly. <laughs> like, if you want to make a difference, you could do whatever you want, but but I'm really taking taking it seriously. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be a, a worship pastor. I'm going to, and if that's never said, but then you, I mean, what I found is then then what you find is like as you pursue this very uh, strange path to trying to do that for, as a living you find that it's very competitive and it's mm. shrouded in very weird uh, uh, spiritual um, niceties. Like, uh, like I remember, I remember being in chapel services on staff at a church and the pastor, like basic, like it, almost like it felt like he was sending a message that wasn't, he, he couldn't just outright say, what he wanted to say. It was as if he had to give some weird prophetic thing about it where, where he was like, look, if you want to like, you know, you know, it basically like move up in the, you know, in the church or in this, in, you know, and, beca- and get on stage or whatever, like, you know, a lot of us think of like, we just have to get around that, this person and like, that'll help us get there. And, and it was just such a weird, and he, 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 he really like, over spiritualized it in such a way where I'm like, dude, like here I am committing my life to this, to try to put myself in service of this, to of being with a good, and I, and I found, I, I really had a good heart in it. It was, and I agree with you. Like, I think in the back of, in, in the back of my head, and I think a lot of people have this, there's a mixed bag, right? So it's, it's not just like you have like this pure, you know, uh, uh, motivation. It's also, I just think like as humans, uh, you know, in our like, you know, ape-like minds, we, you know, 
we see somebody on stage elevated with mm-hmm. lights on them. They're the alpha. And we're like, yeah. that's the leader. That's the, that's the, you know, that's the, <laughs> that's the gorilla like banging his chest. Like I want to be, I want to be like that. And so, um, but yeah, man, I, I, it's just, it's such a weird. And what I found in Bible college too, like it's such a weird vocation in that, like, it's almost like it's, it's very like, um, it, it falls prey to very like, uh, like nepotism, like it, nepotism, like a lot of nepotism, like, like you're almost like you have to be like born into it in order to like, for them to want to like put you on stage. Like I had to like, sh- like fight for my opportunity to like, to get on stage or to, you know, to get on staff or to, um, you know, and, and a lot of it was just like, again, I, 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 I had a, a very pure motive and it was just, I wanted to help people. And in my mind at the time, I remember saying in an interview once, I just want to see kids get saved. Right. Mm. Like, and, and I cringe at that now because it sounds so gross and my faith has since evolved past sort of like a, you know, wanting to save everybody and get them to believe what you believe. But that's a very pure desire. I think like, yeah. you know, like, cause if you believe everyone, around you who does not believe what you believe is going to hell. That's the most loving thing you could do. And so honestly, that's what I, that's what I, that's what I found. I was given this, this set of beliefs that if you do not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're going to hell. And I had a lot of friends who, 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 who frankly don't buy that one bit. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just viewed ministry as the most impactful way for me to do that. You know, I was taking it serious. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, like, you cannot fault people. Like, I, I try and when I'm talking to someone, I was talking to someone yesterday about this, but I talk every day. I probably talk to people about this, but like, how do I have this conversation with my family? Now I'm deconstructing. How do I tell my mom and my dad or whatever without them freaking out? And I'm like, well, stop right there. First mm. of all, they're going to freak out. If they're a, a born again Christian and you're going to say to them, I'm not a born again Christian anymore. Like, I, I'm not that. They're going to freak out because if they're a good born again Christian, that means you are going to go to hell. That means their son or daughter is going to burn forever and be separated from them. Yeah. And you want them not to freak out, right? (laughs) Like it's like, of course they are. Um, And so it's like, of course people in these roles on some level are just being good people, right? If you, if you believe that stuff and you don't want to get people saved, you're just an asshole. Right? Totally. Like, I mean, you're like a very selfish asshole at the end of the day, if you believe people are burning in hell and you don't want to help them. And Gillette, famous comedian, atheist, mm. is known for saying, you could Google this, like, um, he, he's saying like the most loving thing that you could, like, he, always, he always tells his atheist friends. Um, I always tell atheists, like, do not tell Christians not to proselytize. Like, um, I always get mad when people who believe these things don't like, like if, if a, if a semi truck was coming down, if it was bearing barreling down the road and you didn't jump in front of it and to say like, to, to save me from getting crushed by this, this imminent threat, like, like that's the least loving thing you could do. Right. So it's, it's exactly, it's exactly right. Phil. like, and I think a lot of people are particularly those of us who are on the other side of, believing these things or maybe they still believe them to a certain degree but 
you know, whatever. They just don't believe the same way that, that they do. We almost ridicule that. And I think we forget that. Like we forget that like, and this is this whole idea of like transcend and include, like, Mm. you know, it, it feels so progressive to ridicule like those who believe what you once believed, but it's, but, (laughs) but you have to understand that like when you believed that you thought that that person was going to hell, don't forget that, you know, like don't pretend like you've been, you know, that you're, you've been enlightened all along. Like that's the most frustrating thing to me. Yeah. 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 Well, it's Louis C.K.'s thing. I love his his opener in his special that he filmed in San Fran where he's like, you guys are progressive. Yeah, you guys are like pro-choice and everyone's cheering. And he's like, um, he's like, yeah, those stupid pro-lifers. And everyone's like, yeah, and cheering. He knows his audience. He's in San Fran. And then he's like, yeah, but they do think that millions of babies are getting murdered every year. Can't really say that they're bad people, can we? Totally. Like, yeah. Kind of sound like good people. If they thought, if you thought millions of pe- babies were dying and you weren't doing that, you'd be a terrible human being. Um, and it's like, they might be wrong. Millions of babies might not be getting murders, but they think they are. So yeah. you kind of want them to be speaking up about that, right? Like, yeah. um, and I was, I was, it's just so insightful. I love, I love comedy as a mechanism to kind of hit those kind of things on the head and you go, oh yeah, that's a good point. Whatever your, your stance on those topics are, I mean, it's a very heated topic. Like yeah. you have to remember it's a heated topic for a reason. People yep. think babies are being yes. murdered. Um, yep. Whether they're right or wrong, if you think that, you'd be a terrible human being not to try and intervene on that. And you uh, opposing it is a threat. And you are actually an accomplice in a crime. Like mm, That's like, how they see it, for sure, right? I mean... <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and it, it's, it's easy to make fun of that. It's easy to it's easy to forget that, frankly. Yeah. Um, but I always, I always tell people like, well, what did you once believe? Like when, mm. particularly on these topics of like, you know, deconstructing where you're on now, like when you have conversations with your parents or whoever, it's just like, well, don't forget, like, like if somebody were to come to you and say, Hey, I don't believe X, Y, or Z anymore. And here's why. And you wonder how that conversation is going to go. And you're trying to, and you're doing it in good faith. Like you, you care about these people. You love these people. It's important to remember that you weren't so different from them once mm-hmm. upon a time. And it's okay to admit or to be honest about that and to, and to lovingly come from a place of empathy and understanding. And, and, and that's honestly what I find missing in a lot of people. Like I, I, I think for those of us who have, so what, what I have the privilege of, of not having is, is having this, you know, hardwired upbringing of being raised in a Christian family. Um, you know, I feel like if anything, having been raised for the most part, pretty like agnostic, um, it's actually been a gift. It served me in ways where I can actually like, um, uh, I can let go of a lot of stuff that I picked up once upon a time. Um, it wasn't baked into my, mm. you know, burned into me. Yeah. Um, it, that's been a huge gift. So I'm able to see, you know, certain, certain people, uh, who are, who are much different. Like my wife, my wife, who was, uh, you know, she was raised in a pastor's home, you know, very different. Wow. So a lot of this is like, it's a lot harder to let go of, 
Um, I think, and I think it's why that you have such a, you know, the pendulum swings in the opposite direction. It's such an extreme reaction. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, uh, I think understanding goes a long way at the end of the day. No, absolutely. So what was it? So you then, you decide you're going to be a pastor, you start training, you start like volunteering more and, and, and getting involved with church. You start working in the church. Like where did the cracks start appearing? Where did the deconstruction start? And like, what, what, what happened? How, how did we get to here from being so passionately involved in, 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 in church and, and being yeah. a passionate, maybe less honest Christian. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so it's, it's really interesting. So like I said, like at the time I, you know, I was in a band and I know that sounds silly, like as a, like a, a high schooler in a band and you think you're going to make it. It's like, I have to, I, I, I don't know any other like way of saying this, but we were legit. Like <laughs> we were like, we're like for a freaking high school group of kids. Like we were like, we had a real shot at, at become like becoming uh, like a full-time thing anyway. So it, it's just funny. Like as this relationship started to crumble um, my dreams of doing that, this, these relationships kind of, you know, Mm. were pulled apart that, that really, and that, that came at the end of my high school time. And I, again, I always thought that that's what I was going to do. And so once my, these friendships sort of died, so did my dreams of being a musician. Um, mm. And so again, you know, like every high you know, senior high schooler at the end of their time, they're wondering what the heck am I going to do? Um, yeah. I, I, I was going to church a lot at that time with this, you know, friend who was very like, you know, positive, upbeat guy. And, you know, he was very, uh, he's kind of like a preppy kid. And, and again, like at this time you have to like, you have to understand, like, I, I did, I, I just looked different in a way. Like I looked like, uh, I was just, you know, I wore tight skinny jeans. I like, at one point I had long black hair. I had a lip ring. Um, like it was my whole identity. Um, and, <laughs> uh at that time also i'm i'm acknowledging like uh this friend who was very different from me um i noticed how much uh people embraced him and and mm-hmm. were excited and like in and, and and really loved him to a certain degree and so what happened was i i became a carbon copy of this person i started mm-hmm. dressing like him i started acting like him um uh, and I really lost myself in that friendship, to be honest. Mm. And, uh, in, in looking back, it's like really sad. I forfeited a lot of my personality, my identity. Uh, you know, it was like the 30 pieces of silver, you know, like in exchange for, you know, like a little bit of love and acceptance. Right. And so, uh, and that, that extended into church and, you know, Mm. I just wanted to be embraced and accepted and I wanted to be a good boy. And so I decided to, yeah, just become somebody that I wasn't. And a lot of it wasn't fake. I think a lot of it was also me embracing other parts of my identity, which has been a whole thing. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, man, I, that really kind of catalyzed doing a, 
do you know i went to college i did a year i i, I went to college i just like okay i don't know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna go to college and then around after that i was just like you know what um i'm gonna go all in i'm gonna become a pastor so i took this internship at a at a local church big mega church the one that i was literally saved in um right. and uh and and uh, the, the ministry that I was a part of was a youth ministry. And I, 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 I was like, I'm going to be a pastor. Uh, but if you want to be a pastor, you have to be a youth pastor first, because that's how it works. Right. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think I was also at that time, like, so, you know, whatever, like enthusiastic, you know, having just come out of high school. I'm like, well, yeah, I want to like save kids. I want to say, I want to, I want to be what I, I want to be, you know, a role model or an example for a kid, you know, that I wish that I had, which is so weird. Like I'm like just out of high school and like trying to be like, you know, a youth pastor. I'm like 18. Anyway. So I did that for gosh, two years. Then I went to, you know, and I, and all throughout that, I mean, there's a, there's a lot in those two years, but I, you know, I did missions trips. I went, I went to Bible college. Um, I got married uh, and, uh, and then, you know, I got, and then finally I, you know, got my foot in the door, right? Like I got, you know, I got on staff at, at, at a church, um, and, and, uh, and then just slowly, but surely I, the, the cracks, as you, as you described, I started to see what Rob, Rob Bell calls the split, right? There's like a disconnect between a person you see on stage and who they are off, off the stage, you know, yeah. you know, you, you hear them say the party line, you know, this, this is what we believe. This is, this is it. You know, this is thus saith the Lord whatever. And then, and then you have a conversation with them and they're saying, well, this is really what I believe. You know, this is what, and they don't say it in that exact way, but they say things like, Oh yeah. Like, Oh man, if, you know, you know, if I said that on stage, like, you know, I'd get fired. Right. And I'm like, well, that's weird. You know, <laughs> uh, like, wh- why can't we be real? Like, why can't we just help that? And it, and, and it wasn't a judgment on them. Cause I understood. I got, I got it. I yeah. like it, it. Cause it doesn't just come from the top. That's, that's something that I think a lot of us tend to get, that tends to get lost. It comes from, from, the congregation, they want you to play the part. They want, this is your, like, uh, like, you know, this is the magic kingdom. You're Mickey mouse. Just go up on stage and, and tell us how great the kingdom is and, and be our mascot. They don't want you to challenge them or to take them to new places for the most part. Um, And I'm speaking generally, of course. Right. And so really what that started and, and, and if it is new places it's like more of the same not right you know we want we expect you to take us to a whole nother level but a whole nother level of exactly the same thing right and that's a, that's the kind of mechanism at play isn't it it's don't change the game we're playing yeah like, exactly and 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 a lot of what i found is so you know spiritual teachers who i looked up to who i really thought that they were doing fresh, creative, life-giving stuff. Uh, you know, I started to meet these people. And, and, and again, 
also very different off stage than they were on stage. And again, that's not all bad. Like, you know, like introverts, extroverts, whatever. There's like a whole thing there. But um, I just, I started to realize that like my faith cannot be boxed into what I'm supposed to believe. My faith is, you know, taking me to places um, or, you know, if I, again, if I were to be honest with myself, I don't actually believe this thing that I'm supposed to preach because this is quote unquote orthodoxy. This is, you know, and, and, and the stuff that you actually believe at the end of the day, the things that we live out, you know, particularly with our gay brothers and sisters, particularly mm-hmm. with, um, you know, women in ministry, you know, all these issues, hell, a big one, um, our actions don't reflect that. And so again, what I saw a lot and I, and I loved, I love my experience in ministry. I think a lot of it taught me um, a lot, what a lot of it taught me. There's, you know, some, some good, some bad, but the thing that I took from it was at the end of the day, I think these huge organizations, these mass amounts of people, these big, you know, machines, um, they, they just got it wrong. That's it. Mm. You know, I, I think even the Bible, you know, like we've reduced it. We think we understand the Bible. I think we talk about post-Christian, right? Like, what does that even mean? Like, it's like, we've lived in such a, you know, for so long, like, you know, Christian was like the thing. And I think what happens is, you know, you hear Christian, you hear verses, you hear, you think you, after a while, you start to think that you, you understand what it all means. Um, you think that, you know, Jesus, you think that you, you know, get, you get, you get what he's, he's about. Um, but what you find is if you look a little bit closer, if you look at the original meaning of scripture, if you look at, if you actually study, if you actually, uh, you know, don't, if you don't just take it at face value and imply mm-hmm. your interpretation, your context, your all this, um, you find that it's a lot different than, uh, than what you, what our culture tells you it is. And so it's, it's, it's really weird, Phil, like I'm in a place now where I haven't thrown the baby out with the bathwater. That's taken a lot. Cause I've been in those places where I'm like, fuck all this. This is toxic. This is evil. This is straight demonic everything that we're representing or that we claim to be against, we actually, when you look at it at face value, uh, we, that's what we are. Like just the other day, like I shared, like, I don't know why it just came to my mind, but I just thought of like conversion therapy. I'm like, that is demonic. That is straight from hell. Like imagine trying to convince somebody that who they are fundamentally to their core is evil and it should be changed and that you're trying to, you know, take, pull these levers to try to get them to be someone that they're not and that you're telling them that they're, that, that, that who they are at their core is sinful. Yeah. Um, It's very weird, man. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a very weird, like towing of the line of like, and it's very conflicting because, uh, you know, because I, I have a lot of grievances with the church. Um, I'm towing the line between there's something worthy and worthwhile here. I think that if we were to truly understand, and this is something that gets thrown around, but if we were to truly understand 
Jesus and, and what the Bible actually means. And we're not, you know, if we were to truly get it, it, uh, like, and I think some of us do, uh, you know, and it's not just those special ones, those enlightened ones. I just, here's, here's what it goes back to. A lot of us knew this from the start and then religion gets applied and it, and it starts to muck it all up. We have these systems, we have these, uh, you know, you know, these outdated, uh, things that are applied and then it starts to confuse us. It starts to change. Mm. Well, you know. And so honestly, like, that's the thing that, again, it goes back to my story of being like, not raised a part of this. Like I came into this with fresh eyes and I was able to see like, Oh, well that's garbage, but this is really good. And I can see how the church in the middle kind of mucked it all up. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 For sure. It's, it's an interesting one. Cause I was going to ask you about this. Cause obviously like you have branded yourself as the refreshingly honest Christian, um, which um, you know, working with, I mean, thousands and thousands of people that have gone through and are going through deconstruction. Um, I see a lot of trajectories. I see a lot of paths. I see a lot of people um, break apart their Christianity, explore it, figure it out. And and as you say, kind of like, don't throw the baby out with the bath or they keep some component of Christianity and they come out um, having reimagined what Christianity can look like and, and rebuilt something that, that works for them. And, and, and it's, yeah. it's beautiful and wonderful. Um, but I see a lot of others that don't. You know, I see a lot of others that go, ah, there's not, it's just not much there. And yeah, maybe I'll keep some components of that. The metaphors, this, that, maybe some of the ideas that Christ had, but I'm not a Christian. It's just not where I am anymore. Yeah. And they move into yeah. maybe agnosticism or atheism or some other spirituality an Eastern spirituality or something like that. Um, do you ever worry? Do you ever worry that you're like, crap, I've branded myself as a Christian. I, I kind of have to keep towing the line. Like, do you ever feel a bit like how the Christian in the church, uh, the pastor maybe feels a bit boxed in going, okay, I'm exploring a little bit around the edges, but I know that I can't really escape the box because the yeah. church expects me to stay in. Do, do you ever kind of sit and go, crap, by calling myself the refreshingly honest Christian, have I boxed myself in not to be able to kind of step outside of the parameter of Christian? Um, do you yeah. feel free to explore beyond that or do you feel like because I think there's two sides of it one is like no I'm, I'm just really not keen to throw the baby out of the bathwater to do this logically carefully right. intentionally <clears throat> but there's another side of it which I've seen in some people which is a bit more fearful almost um, and it's actually a fear of letting go of some of their Christianity um, for whatever reason maybe maybe they feel tethered to family or or maybe they're scared of going to hell or you know there's plenty of good reasons to be a bit scared yeah. about letting go of christianity like talk to me about how you what is it that's drawing you to that christian kind of concept label yeah. the ideas of it the metaphor the, the the person of jesus what what's what's holding you on there like why don't you want to let go of that yeah that's such a good oh my god that's probably like the best question i've ever been asked <laughs> <laughs> I should just give you an award. I should just give you an award. Um, no, I totally agree. It's like, it's, it's like once you brand yourself, you know, refreshingly honest Christian, uh, yeah, you're kind of stuck with it. And especially, uh, you know, when this whole talk of like trying to just follow where it leads, right? Like, cause I don't know, like, honestly, I, th I think a lot of us, you know, I've heard, I've heard people say like, um, or, you know, Christians tend to get accused of like, you know, when they're asking questions, hard questions, like they actually like lead with the answer. Like there's actually not, they're not actually asking the question. They're just kind of sure. like, you know, yeah. So 
That's dangerous, there. Don't bring that up too closely because I do that far too much in my interviews. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, you know, and I've done a lot of atheist podcasts um, recently. Um, I, I've done a lot of atheist podcasts recently where um, where that that has come up, and I think what I've found is, um, you know, I, I I lead with Christian because when I started this whole journey, and this is about three, maybe four years now ago, when I started to like really, you know, question and, and, and really start to wonder, like, what do I really believe? Like, you know, and now that I'm not, you know, uh, being a mascot on stage, like, you know, what, at the end of the day, I have to live with myself here. So like, Mm, yeah, yeah. I I guess I, I stuck with the word that, you know, I stuck with Christian, partly out of wanting to reclaim that word because that word is so, I mean, again, it's, 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 it's a terrible word. Donald Trump is a Christian, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You meet somebody, you know, you meet somebody, you know, for the first time, uh, like, like, again, going back to like my high school experience, they didn't want to tell me they were a Christian. And it's like, sure. And it's a loaded term. It's like, because we all, and there's reasons for that. So, Part of it was wanting to reclaim it <laughs> in a way, uh, but also part of it was just, I want to be honest to my my sort of leaning, you know, like I like mm. it's kind of this idea of you dance with the, the one who, who brung you. Like when you go to a dance, like, you know, you, you're stuck with your partner and, and my, you know, my the partner that I'm stuck with is for the most part, Jesus. Right. And right. So there's that, you know, um, but, you know, the word that I'm most focused on in this little, whatever, three part, uh, you know, title is honesty. Like I care, mm-hmm. I value it above everything else. Like, and so, yes, I feel if, if my faith were to be led, if I were to be honest with myself and I were to, you know, ultimately through this series of questioning, being truthful with myself, end up in a place where honestly, I am, I, I'm not a Christian anymore. Um, I think I would have to, I mean, I, I literally just, no joke, like I'm not making this up. Yesterday I had the thought like, would I have to call this refreshingly honest atheist? Like if that, you know, <laughs> changed, like would I have to re- like rebrand? Um, so yeah, I, I, I think there's that. Um, but uh, mm. I think for the most part, I, what I keep getting back to is, this idea of going back to the source, going back to the roots, understanding, you know, um, you know, this idea of of being a radical, right. It's like, um, I, I, I think there's so many people who call themselves Christians who are the least Christ-like people in the world. And I know, I know, I know atheists you know, who do not believe a bit of scripture. They think that it's all bullshit. They think that God is a made up construct to make us feel better. The afterlife is just comfort, spiritual comfort food. Um, and though, in those people, the people, I, I love atheists. I, I like mm-hmm. not, I mean, and not, I'm not saying every atheist is necessarily a good person, but I'm, what I'm saying is a lot of the people that I've had conversations with, you know, through, through this have been so, people of other, you know, uh, you know, religions, even they're, they're 
more Christ-like than any Christian, many Christians that I know today. Hmm. And so there's something there, like, I, I don't know exactly um, how we could have gotten so far off base, but I do think that, um, you know, for whatever reason, Jesus is compelling to me. And so, you know, whether, you know, and whether that's literally or, you know, metaphorically, uh, I, I think a lot of it has, I can't deny a lot of it has definitely made my life, uh, better, you know, in a Mm. lot of ways, not that it's all like self-help, right? Like it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like I'm, kind of going all over the place. So you tell me what you're no, hearing. No, it's, it's good. It's, it's really interesting. And and I think, yeah, I, I think um, your your thoughts um, definitely reflect a huge amount of people that I speak to of there's something in my journey that it, it, off Christianity, off trying to follow Christ or have a relationship with Jesus or all the different um, concepts, there's something of that I can't let go of. There's something of that that's that's meaningful that's beautiful that has shaped my life it's maybe a better person not yeah. just again as you say just in a self-help sense but you know what ask my wife has it made me better you know it, it makes everyone's life around me a bit better as well yeah. um and 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 like you know we talked about you know donald trump is a christian or you know there's plenty of people that are christian quote unquote yeah. um and so that doesn't inherently make every person a better person um you know, in many ways, they make a worse person. And, and at times, I just had so uh, a podcast I released a couple of weeks ago um, with um, Stephen Backland. I don't know if you're uh, no, sorry, Stephen. Um, sorry, I used to work for a guy called Steve Backland. Uh, Stephen Backhouse, um, and uh, he is like a political theologian, um, and, but he talks about how Christianity inoculates us from Christ, mm-hmm. and actually. Um, Christianity, which used to be a term associated with those who followed the way of Jesus, is now the number one component, the number one mechanism in our society that stops us following the way of Jesus. Yeah. It's actually people outside of Christianity that are more free to follow the way of Jesus. But yeah. Christians aren't free. Christians have to support the death penalty, have to support nationalism and war and whatever else, you know, these, these kind of different things, punitive measures of, uh, of, of justice or whatever, yeah. uh, pro, pro-life, right? I mean, but, but in a certain way, right? So it can't be pro-life in for ev- this type of person or it can't be a pro-life for um, unborn babies if this legislation is ticked rather than crossed. Never mind the 20 other parts of legislation above it that also have a major factor on do children get uh, do do babies get aborted? Um, you know, so it's it's very like this is how we have to be. That oftentimes is very anti-Christ. It's it's very anti the way of Christ, the path of Christ. And I thought it was really interesting him talking about that because it it's the wrestle. It's the wrestle that people feel like there's people that go, I hate Christianity, but I love Jesus, right? I mean, it's like Gandhi. My God, does that get quoted? Um, but he was on the money, right? It's like, I hate Christians, I hate Christianity, but man, I love the Jesus. Like, let's, yeah. let's have some of the Jesus in there. Um, and we hate Christians. Yeah. We hate a lot of Christians and I totally justified to a degree. Like <laughs> I would never encourage like hate, hatred, but there's, sure. there's, it's right. A lot of it's rightful in, in the, in the sense that like, dude, you are causing so much harm and, and problems in the world. Like, and you don't realize it. you're doing it like as a self-righteous crusade. But we also, again, I, I, for me, like my whole goal and even just like, you know, 
naming the uh, having this podcast is like is I think what we often do and it's it makes sense right like we we paint with broad strokes we say things like we hate Christians but that's not true we hate no, some of course Christians, not right and I'm no. not saying you I'm just saying no but I don't of, think anyone does I think even a passionate atheist probably has a few friends that are just quiet about their Christianity that they probably yeah. like <laughs> yeah. and it's and, and, and honestly I think that's the that's the work where we're, where we just have to, we have to be a little bit more, you know, it's like the four agreements. Mm. Like my, you know, I, I encourage everybody, anybody who's listening to this, like you should go to therapy. Like my therapist talks about this all the time. It's like, be precise in your words. Like, mm. um, you know, don't just, cause, cause what it, what it does is if the naming power of that saying like, you know, I hate the church or I hate, or, you know, I hate, I hated my fundamentalist upbringing or, you know, I hate, you know, all of this, like these things that we do. And I get where that's coming from. Cause it's like, we're so overwhelmed and we're, we're hurting and we're in a place, sorry. It, um, and it's like, we don't have language. So we just, it comes out, you know what I mean? And right. do that. Like, if that's where you're at, great. We're glad you're here. <laughs> like, um, but know that in order for you to get untangled from a lot of this and to live yeah. a better, more fulfilled, peaceful life, you have to eventually get to a place where you move beyond that and you start to be more you know, specific. Like, you know, you're not mad at the church. You're mad at a person, at, you know, in this church, there's somebody that hurt you and you need to say, no, I don't hate the church. Joe, whoever just really hurt me, mm. you know, and that, and you need to admit that, like, just be honest with yourself. Like you don't have to have this, you know, crazy tirade against like this whole organization. Like, you know, some of it may, some of it probably helped you at that point in time, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, it led to where it led you to where you are now. Like, that's okay. Like, and again, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you can relate to this, Phil, but like, I look back on a lot of stuff, you know, particularly like missions trips, going to like Uganda mm. and taking pictures with, you know, black babies. Um, and I just cringe. I'm so embarrassed because I'm like, it, there's some, there was something off there and I see it now. I didn't see it at the time. Um, so it's like, you know, this, this anger or this resentment, or how could they have done this to me? Like, I feel like I, you know, somebody should have told me, you know, like it's, it's, and I'm not saying you, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying I've, I've seen those parts in myself at mm. different stages where I, and ultimately it's just not where, I, where ultimately it's just not helping me. Like I've seen those stages where I just want to burn it all down and I want to ride it all off and I want to, and, and I want to say everybody from my past life um, is an idiot and they have no, you know what I'm saying? Like, and yeah. that's just lazy. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not helping you. It's not helping yeah. them. And it's, I think it's just causing more harm in your life. And, and I, I want to say this too, like, I think a lot of us are most concerned, like this whole idea, like that you were saying with like how Christianity can get away from Christ. Um, like, and like, again, you have to tick all these boxes because, you know, you're quote unquote a Christian. You can't be a Democrat and a Christian. What's wrong with you? You know, mm. uh, 
I think so many of us are most concerned with uh, a set of mental checklists. Like, do I believe this? Do I believe that? It's all about belief. It's all about what you think. And at the end of the day, again, going back to, you know, people who we know who do not call themselves Christians and who are the most Christ-like, how are they living? What does their life look like? Are they a kind, are they a genuinely kind and loving person? You know, like, is this person uh, doing the will of the father? Uh, You know, like, you're going to tell me that that person isn't enlightened, the person that's actually doing it. A haunting line I don't, I don't know if, I don't, I mean, I hope you, I hope you're okay with me saying this, but. Um, Say anything on here. <laughs> cool. Uh, something that's been really haunting me lately with, from the Bible in particular is, and especially with all that's going on right now in the world and how scary it is and Donald Trump and, uh, you know, there's this line um you know, when Jesus returns and he, you know, and he splits, you know, the crowd into two camps and he has on the left or the right, I don't know which side, on one side, he has people who, you know, said, Lord, you know, did we not, you know, prophesy in your name? Did we not, you know, cast out demons? Did we not do all these things? Um, And he says to them, get away from me. You never knew me. Um, And it's, this is a, is an example par none, I think, in scripture where it's like, you call yourself a Christian, you go to church every Sunday, you listen to Caleb, but you never knew me. You never did what I, you never, yes, you did maybe did some things that, you know, were quote unquote Christian, but at the end of the day, and he casts them aside. Like, and I think, you know, what, what scares me is, uh, and, and honestly, this is some of the stuff with religion that I'm like wrestling with right now and, and having some of this, because as much as I wasn't raised in this and I, and I feel like I don't have that burned into my hard drive, I also have sure. a lot of fundamentalist ideas that were um, like right now, like I am haunted by scripture right now. I am like, if I were to be real with you, I'm like as crazy as it sounds. And I, like I know somebody out there can relate to this (laughs) Uh, is I'm like legitimately fearful that we're in the end times because of what I've been taught, like this religious indoctrination. Yeah. And, and the weirdest thing is Phil, the people who most call themselves Christians right now, I fear for because those are the people that I think Jesus will cast aside. And I think, uh, that's just not the side that I want to be on, you know, mm. I, I, I want to be, be the I want person who is actively letting his faith um, inform my life and become a better person because of that. Like, um, and, and it's, dude, it's, it's a mess, man. It's hard to sort through. It's very confusing. It's very, it's very complicated (laughs) and it just takes a lot of work, you know? And so I think conversations like this is, at least for me, it's just how I process. And you could probably see that just in our conversation. Like, Oh, it's good. It's, it's just, I I think a lot of people are, you know, struggling or working through that right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it is terrifying. Like the, the disparity between 
uh, yeah, uh, what one person calls Christ-like and another person calls Christ-like is, is, is a big divide in that, right? Um, yeah. You look at, I mean, even like a great example, last week, you got an election. You got Joe Biden, who is a Christian, and Donald Trump, who is no, he's Christian. Catholic. He's not a um, real Christian. Well, he's, he's not a real Christian. Christian. That's right. Um, I think he was the only one at church this week. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but it's, it's that thing, isn't it? It's like, well, okay, so which Christian is Christian? Because yeah. some Christians go, well, that's the only Christian book, right? And and you and I probably certainly in a lot of our social circles and stuff like that um, are going to find a lot of people that go, well, guess what? Donald Trump is not a Christian any shape or form. No kind of Christ that I follow is going to look like that. But on the flip side, we also know a great deal of met people that go, no, Donald Trump is the Christian vote and he is the, the, the prophet of the Lord sent to save us or whatever. Um, and it does open up this component of just how subjective this whole thing is. Like you go back to a key component for a lot of Christians, whether they understand the dynamics behind it or not is they believe they're voting for a pro-life president. I mean, that, that's the yeah. thing. Um, there's so much to say about that. It's so complex and there's so many um, different components to it. But the point being, again, when you take back the layers and you go, okay, so what do they think? What's going on here? Well, they're being told that three million or however many um, uh, conceptions are terminated, right? So they, they believe like, you know, like day, you know, four seconds in, that's a life, right? You know, so I mean... There's a lot of wiggle room for how many lives are getting lost here. And there's a lot babies of debate. Being murdered. Yeah. But they go, no, three million babies every year or whatever are getting murdered. Yeah. You go, yeah, I'd vote for a dick. Maybe not a racist dick or maybe not a sexist dick or maybe not a dick that X, Y, Z. But at a certain point, I, I tolerate certain things if it meant that three million people weren't murdered every year. I feel yeah. like three million is a pretty high number to go, eh, let's just turn a blind eye to that one. Like, and so at a certain point, I understand why if you're in a white privileged neighborhood, you might go, ah, I could let racism slide a bit to save three million babies. Now, I'm not saying that's a good trait. I'm not, you know, Jesus, you know, like that's, that's, that's not something that you can equate one to the other or anything. But I'm like, I get why such a level of fear um, and such a, a passionate, imagine you got, imagine your pastor said you, David, you could be on the side of history that saves that many babies every year. You could be the person that saved. You bet I'm going to be passionate about it and get a bit pumped and be like, yes, we're doing something. We're going to save people. Like yeah. it, but it, it does open up this thing of like, that's what Christ looks like. It's this one thing. And now there's a whole bunch of other things that I have to kind of get into cognitive dissonance to not look at. Yeah. That if we're honest, there's probably on the other side of things, there's things that the Democrats represent or in the UK, there's Labour and uh, and the Tories or, you know, you've got different parties in different countries that all kind of seem to be two absolute opposite ends of the spectrum, where if we look at it, a lot of them probably believe the same things. A lot of them are probably against the same things, you know, like yeah. it's, it's just different concepts. But the 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 problem with these labels is we have to suddenly go, Oh, this one is Jesus. This is, this is the Christian vote. Like, what does that mean? Like, and the fact that Christian becomes an adjective that we add to our politics. So really I'm left or right. I'm Mm -hmm. Dem or Republican. I'm a D or an R I'm blue or red. And then I add the word Christian to it as an adjective that somehow 
sanctifies my side, my choice. But yeah. really, Christian is just this like qualifier of whichever one I happen to be in. Well, and, it's, and then and then we have all sorts of attempts of like rebranding it. Well, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, I'm I'm not religious. I'm I'm spiritual. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a Christian. I'm a, I'm a progressive Christian. I, you know, and and then we start to get in this like it it just it gets all tangled up and it's so weird. I agree. I think there's this. It's a it's a weird thing that we. I understand why labels are necessary. I get it. We live in a world where it's just helpful. It's a short, it's a shorthand. That's what it is. It helps us get there. Okay. I have a, you know, I have a connection in my mind with that. And, you know, it's how we communicate. That's, you know, that makes sense. But then we start to divide each ourselves into different camps. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're an atheist. You're Jewish. You're Muslim. You know, you're a Catholic. You're not a real Christian. Uh, you know, um, it is, I, what I found at the end of the day, Phil, and I, and I, and it's as the guy who has a podcast called, you know, refreshingly honest Christian, you know, like I, I've labeled myself that right. Um, in all these conversations that I've had, and it's so funny, like when I talk to atheists and I have, you know, lots of, you know, lots of Christian listeners, like a lot of them are like, they hear the word atheist and they're like, Oh, that's scary. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like the fact that you're letting that label scare you shows exactly what's wrong with with this with this idea of like of of of, of othering people, of labeling yeah. people. And you know what's funny? When I look at Jesus, you know, this idea of like do not judge, you know, again, I think today we've just taken that to mean like, oh yeah, don't you know, like, don't, you know, whatever, don't, (laughs) you don't know that person, like, whatever, like, don't, whatever. I I, I think the original meaning of that is like, do not label. It's Mm -hmm. literally do not label, literally do not um, assign people. It's it's this othering of people where it's like, and at the end of the day, like, that's why I love the, the greatest commandment is to love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Every single goddamn one of them. Every single goddamn one of them. Are they an atheist? Are they a Christian? Who the fuck cares? That's your neighbor. Love your goddamn neighbor. And if you don't, you're the problem. I think at the end of the day, that's the problem is we we use labels to limit the amount of love and acceptance mm. for people. And it's why I've done things where I've changed myself fundamentally to be embraced by, let's face it, Christians. And I mm. hate to, I hate to, point such a finger at, at Christians, but you know, it, it, it's like, these are my people. <laughs> this is the camp that I was drawn into. Hey, you fucking seduced me. I'm here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, I, I, you know, you know, I, I can't help but think of like, again, with where we're at politically, again, you were, and you did a great job of describing it. Republican, Democrat, we did red, blue, it's just this dualistic <laughs> world that we live in. Uh, the re- a lot of this, I think, can be chalked up to like, like um, the reason why we're so divided is because we label. It's because we judge. It's because mm. we, there's a huge lack of love. At the end of the day, we're not loving. 
We don't, yeah. we don't accept people. Um, and I think what's, what's amazing is if you were to look at your real life and, 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 and let's just say you have an atheist friend and you're a Christian. Um, I certainly am thinking of one person in particular, <laughs> um, a person who I have such, uh, adoration for and I think this person is so funny and interesting and their personality everything about this person I just you know and don't get me wrong this person has his shortcomings but like um at the end of the day all throughout I mean all throughout this weird uh download of beliefs that I've received I I look at my life even though like mentally I would have said like yeah, there's a division there. There's maybe something, you know, I'm praying for him. I'm hoping that he doesn't go to hell, whatever. Um, the love never left, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And so at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, what do I really believe? It, what is my life reflecting? You know, here's what I'm supposed to believe from all sorts of pressures, uh, family, church, you name it, your spouse. I don't, I don't know who it is in your life, but um, it's taken a lot for me to figure this stuff out. Um, and I don't have it all figured out. I'm still like working on myself and trying to understand it and get to a place of peace <laughs> at the end of the day. And, um, and I do think I'm, I, I am trying to model my life after Jesus in the way that I think that he actually would have lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like you said, that's very subjective, but um, I, I, what the world needs most right now is just is for us to, to lead with love first and to worry about labels second. And not even, I don't even think it's necessary. Like, okay, cool. You're an atheist. You don't believe in God. That's fine. Like, who, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, again, I, I, I hesitated naming the podcast Christian. Cause I'm like, I, I didn't want it to like hold me back from, mm. cause again, I understand it, put it keeps people's, it keeps people at arm's length. Um, but yeah, man, it's a, uh, we've got a lot, we've got our work cut out for us. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's this thing of a label, generally speaking, it, it's, it's there for divisive mechanisms, yeah. or at least it's, a, it, it's a, a very quick way for me to decide, are you with me or are you against me? Again, yeah. very dualistic, very black and white. Um, and so what happens is when when people require you to label yourself, I get this all the time, are you a Christian? Are you an agnostic? What do you believe? Give me a label. And I'm like, well, if you knew me, whatever label I pick wouldn't really matter because you know me. You, you yeah. get a rough idea of what I believe. You you know that I'm a nice guy or an asshole or whatever. Else. I don't know. It depends <laughs> on how well you know me. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, you, you have a rough idea. You don't need that label. And if you don't know me mm. and I give you a label, well, now you're not going to get to know me. You're going to just associate me with whatever your label means, which could be a good or a bad, right? So for some people, you hear Christian and you're like, oh, great. They're one of us. Or they hear Christian and you go, oh, God, not them. You know, it, it's, it depends on the person. So it's yeah. it's never particularly helpful. It's, it's, it's a weapon in, in, the, yeah. in the hands of someone that doesn't know you. Um, and... I guess the the challenge is, can we, I don't know if we can avoid labels. I don't know if we can avoid going, hey, yeah, this is kind of what I believe. And this is like the labels that I'm using or that you might use or whatever. But can we avoid seeing any label as an other 
and actually just including every label. So you go, oh, you're a Muslim. And I'm like, oh, wonderful. You're one of us. Whatever us is. Because to me, us is like human, has a pulse. I don't know. Um, and so like, they, oh, yeah, no, and I'm an atheist. And it's like, great. You're one of us too. Not, a, oh, one of them. Not a, over there. But no, nope, you're inside too. You're in here too. Um, I'm a judgmental Christian. Oh, yeah, you're one of us too. Like, we all can do that. Um, yeah. And... I think it's a, that's the challenge is can, can we do that? I, I think, I can't remember who it was I heard recently. So it's some sort of podcast and someone was like, we, we like to pretend that we're all so different. But the truth is, if you were walking down um, by a reservoir and you had your two-year-old with you and they fell in the water, it doesn't matter what the other person facing you that is the other is. If they're a Muslim, if they're an atheist, if they're a Christian, if they're a Republican, if they're a Democrat, even if they vote independent, um, they're going in that war to save your kid. 99.999% of the population would go, holy crap, a two-year-old just fell in the water. I need to help them. I need to save them. And, and the thing is, like, we aren't that different if you strip these labels back. They don't go, wait, hold on. Is that kid going to vote Democrat in the future? Not going to save them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, that's just not going to happen. And, and the truth is that most of us are on, um, we're on the same page. If we all have this common thing, which is we're looking for love, we're looking for security, we're looking for acceptance, we're looking to be a part of something. Um, and I think most of our demonizing of others is so that we feel more in the group we, we find ourselves in anyway. Um yeah. And that's the challenge. Can we can we still feel a part of something if we include more people in it, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And you see this fear. I mean, you go back into uh, when segregation laws started getting taken apart in, in the U.S. Right? I mean, most of the fear of the white community was that, like, oh, well, what will happen to us, right? Um, it was the question of our identity is that, you know, there's, there's the black community and there's the white community. And, and we like the white, we like us because we look like us. We act like us. We, we have our society the way we like it and everything. And we're scared of change. And then you fast forward and actually yeah. not much changes. In fact, the world becomes a lot nicer in a lot of ways. We have more people in our lives that love us and can love us and we can love. Um, and, and that's not to say that that ended racism by any means <laughs> or another. Um, but I think once you kind of like break down those fears of what happens when you let people in, we start to go, oh yeah, actually it's not so terrifying to, you know, we're, we're terrified of letting gay people get married because marriage will dissolve. I don't know what exactly the fear is. There's a lot of fears, but I'm not sure what they are. Um, but then you look at countries that were scared to let married, uh, gay people get married and they did 10, 15, 20 years ago and they're doing just fine. Yeah. And none of them are scared of it anymore because... Yeah. None of their fears came about and everyone's fine. And so I think there's got to be some breaking through of that component or I don't know. It's, it's just a weird thing, isn't it? This, this, and I get it though. I feel scared when I'm, when I'm faced with something new and different. Um, I, I feel scared. I don't want change. I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and whatever your respective label of choice is, it, I mean, you hear a label other than yours, different than yours. Uh, yeah, it's, you're absolutely right, Phil. It's, it's scary. Like, and, and, and it's very like, when you think about it, it's very just like, uh, like if you were just alone in a room with one person or maybe a few different people, like a group and you walk into a room and you're the other, 
and they have, you know, and they all kind of are, you know, this is the common bond between among them and you don't know anything about them, or maybe you know a little bit about them and it's not so great. (laughs) And you're holding true to what you are. Uh, There's just a very natural human uh, uh, discomfort that comes with that because you maybe don't understand the, uh, the norms. You don't understand the language. Perhaps you don't understand um, what this community holds, you know, you know, what they value. It's, it can be very, uh, yeah, it can be very, and and honestly, I think it's why we don't talk to each other. I, I don't think it's out of this ominous, like, oh, you know, hatred or whatever. I think it's just, we, a lot of us are just, we don't know how to talk to somebody who's different than us. Different. We're not different. We're different because we label ourselves differently. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's the only thing dividing us. And sure, we may believe different things. We may, you know, and I know, you know, the thing that Christians are most terrified of is like this sort of relative relativism like oh you believe what you believe i believe. it's like we have the truth that's the fucking problem with christians we have the capital t truth and we have the truth mm-hmm. we know the truth we have all the answers we're not going to break we're not going to tell you that we have the, all the answers we're going to spoon feed you the answers uh but <laughs> like and that's the thing is like the problem that i have with with the, the label christian in particular is um is we also use it many of us use this label as a way to feel superior to other Mm -hmm. other people. Um, You know, and I've even had this conversation with my wife who's in a very different place. Um, She, you know, she's going through her own bit of her own journey and she's certainly questioned her faith in lots of different ways. And, but she's still a Christian and I've had to ask her, her, a person who was raised in the church, a person uh, whose parents, she's a pastor's kid, you know, and her, you know, and, you know, like her, her family's still very much in that world. And I've had to ask her, I'm like, Hey, like, like be honest with me. Like, and I, and I, it's so, it's so weird. I knew this, but I'm like, would you be okay if I was, if I wasn't a Christian anymore, <laughs> you know, like, would you be okay if, you know, God forbid I decided I, you know, uh, that actually I'm, I think I'm an atheist or, you know, whatever, like, um, and, and, and of course, you know, you know, the answer, like she's, she's mm-hmm. not a fucking psychopath. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, man, there's a lot there. And I, I think it is, I think it is up to, I hate to say this. I think we all bear a certain responsibility for this, but I think Christians in particular have a tremendous amount of responsibility um, to, to, to sort of like wave the white flag and to say, Hey, we're good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's because I, I don't know why, but it, it feels like it's coming from our side. If we have sides, it's coming from our side. We're the ones who've kind of led this ungodly crusade of like, of, 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 you know, making people feel like they're less than making people feel that because they believe what they believe that they're going to hell. Like, 
And, and again, I don't think you have to forfeit your beliefs for that, but I do think at the end of the day, uh, if we're to love our neighbor properly, uh, we need to be the one to address, you know, the problem with these labels, you know, mm. and the biggest one is Christianity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's interesting because I think if you have that conversation with certain types of Christians, I think many of them would agree. I think if you looked at, you mentioned the progressive church earlier on and you said, look, the progressive church, um, you sit down with, with those guys, you sit down with, I don't know, Brian McLaren, Shane Claiborne, these kind of like figures or, or many of people just attending the progressive church. And you said, look, Christianity has been on the wrong side of history. We've been the people in power and we've used our power to further racism, sexism, uh, patriarchy, uh, colonization, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we need to um, repent. We need to make reparations. We need yeah. to be, we need to use the power we have to make things right and to change. I have no doubt whatsoever. They'd be like, yes, yes, yes. You're preaching my word, my language. Yeah. But you take a step back and you look at the the vast majority of Christianity, because let's not kid ourselves. Progressive Christianity is a fractional uh, mm-hmm. movement yeah. very very mi- mi- minority five percent uh, yeah. swayed from their direction that voted for biden i want to say that sorry i want to make clear the reason mm. i was just laughing just then is because we also have this tremendous persecution complex we mm. think like, everything you just described we are actually in power just a little secret i just want to let everybody know that but we act like we are the ones who are in the margins, the ones yeah. who are cast aside, and you are delusional. That is yeah. not the case. And so you're, oh my God, sorry. I'm just like, I, I, the reason I was laughing no, is because- you're, you're absolutely right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, you just look at the stats on like, who serves in the Senate, who serves in the House, how many presidents in the entire history of the presidency have not claimed to be Christian. Again, whether they're Christian or not, but have not claimed to be Christian. I think it's two in, in total. Um, and that, mm. I think it includes the vice presidents as well, like have not claimed. Um, and so it's just, it's just like, there, there's no question that the people in power are, uh, if not Christian, they're trying to win some Christian votes by saying they're Christian. So like Christianity has has the power here. Um, but yeah, you, you look at that bulk of Christianity, the, the, the mass quantity of Christianity, and you have that conversation and say, hey guys, We've been in power. We've got this stuff. And they're going to go, no, no, no. We're, we're the persecuted minority. The world's taking over. They're trying to take us out and, take uh, our and, and <laughs> you know, and, and you say, look, we've been, um, we've had a problem with racism. And they go, no, 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 Martin Luther King. And you go, okay, right, great. Yeah. Good job. And also the white church wanted to kill that guy. Um, but, you know, like, you know, we mentioned, oh, you know, problems in sexism. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we allow women deacons now. Or, you know, <laughs> you know I mean? It's like, there's all the but whatever's, you know, all that different stuff. Mm. Very few Christians are ready to kind of entertain that conversation, it feels. I mean, just the Black Lives Matter conversation this year. Um, the fact that people were not able to comprehend that Black Lives Matter um does not mean that their life doesn't matter, but instead becomes fearful that somehow uh, black people are going to take over the country and employ their Marxist agenda and white people are going to be roaming the streets homeless, you know, with no jobs and no, you know, because the black lives matter and no other lives matter, just black. Who's like, how 
but that's that, that certainly the way people responded that seems to be how they thought it was going to go down or what what black people were fighting for they weren't going hey could we maybe matter in some way shape or form here in society that was the, the conversation on the table but the church just doesn't seem ready to engage with those things like what what do you think needs to change there like is is there hope for change do you, do you see christianity being saved the, the church i man i feel like it depends on the day when you, when you ask me i i tend to vacillate between hope and despair uh it mm. seems and i and and I, I don't know if you know your listeners are you know care much for the enneagram i'm a four so what that means is just like i'm like overly emotional not overly emotional i'm just very sensitive and i um you know i the feelings that you feel in a day i feel in an hour um and so that's not to say i'm like more i'm special or whatever i'm just saying so yeah it does depend on when you when you ask me and um oh man i i and i i hope it's okay to to mention jesus here again but it's like please he's my rabbi you know and by the way like you, you know you mentioned like uh you're you know you're you're kind of stuck to christianity like it's funny like um, I've also got like Jesus tattooed on me. Like, I'm like, it's like, dude, I'm like fucking stuck. You know what I mean? Like I'm stuck. <laughs> you have to get uh, a cover up with like, you know, get some horns <laughs> on him. Big trident. Yeah, uh. Exactly. Um, you know, particularly on black lives matter, like, and that's a great example, Parnan of, of, of even the label. Okay. So I'm a white guy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, we're white and, you know, black, you know, whatever color in between and color is beautiful. I'm not colorblind. Like we live in a diverse world and that's a good thing. Uh, but uh, the naked pastor, I'm sure you know him. He has a, he, he has, he, you know, he, he draw, he has all this really incredible art and he, he has this thing of sheep. Right. And there's kind of like, they're kind of like blocked off and they're and they're they're sheep and they're holding uh, all lives matter signs. And then you see Jesus um, kind of like, you know, crawling down a hill to save the one sheep and it's mm. a black sheep. Um, sorry. And, uh, it, and depending on who you ask, like, you know, you might be that one sheep, you know, you, if you feel like the black sheep, like I feel like I am at times, like I, I, I don't feel like I fit in in Christianity. Like I, I don't, I don't feel accepted here by a lot of people, but these are the most marginalized people given our historic example, like the, the the systemic racism that is ever so apparent that is due in large part to, you know, years and years and years of just demonic evil slavery that's been justified in the name of Christianity. And, and, you know, we use scriptures uh, that justify that. Um, it's like Jesus at the end of the day, like, um, I, I just think of like the people who are on, who are in that group, the all lives matter group. And I'm not just trying to make a statement towards those people. I'm just saying like, mm. many of us are, are, are in that and we don't even realize it. We don't understand that. We don't understand the ways that we've enabled such evil in this world 
And the worst part is, is we turn around and we tell the rest of the world that that's Jesus. When in reality, Jesus is the one who is fighting for the person who uh, has been the most abused, the most betrayed, the most hurt, the most um, mistreated. And, and so I, again, it's a haunting line, but it's like, if you're going to take the Bible and you're going to say you believe it uh, literally or metaphorically, whatever, when Jesus returns, he's going to split a group of people and he's going to say, get away from me. You never knew me. And I would just, you know, <laughs> sorry, like my like uh, scary preachers coming out right now. And I don't mean it to, but it's like, just be wary. Like you might be in that group. And I would argue um, that if you cannot, if you cannot say that black lives matter and think that it's a threat to you, that you, you might have a problem there and you might not just have a problem. Generally speaking, you might have a problem with your so-called Lord and savior himself, because he's the one who is fighting for, for, for that person. He's leaving the, he's leaving the 99 to save the one. And that's beautiful. And and that's what we should be doing at the end of the day. So I don't know that I have hope for everyone in Christianity. I just don't, but I do have hope in a lot of people who are doing the will of the father. And oftentimes I don't think that they're calling themselves Christians. And I think that what we'll find if, you know, if this crazy post-apocalyptic thing comes true, if that comes to pass, again, I'm a fucking weirdo. Like, don't listen to me, but it's like, (laughs) if that's to come to pass, I think what we're going to see is a lot of those people. uh, I think you'll be surprised on who who's on which side. Uh, Let's just say Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can well imagine that. I mean, I think if like when, Jesus was asked, like, he's like, hey, love your neighbor, guys. Good, good, good idea to do that. And they're like, well, who's my neighbor, right? So immediately we're going, so which lives matter? Which ones do we, do we love? Um, and, and the example he picks is the most radical example, right? He picks the, the group of people that the Israelites saw as like the radical, fundamental terrorists with a off-spin religion, right? I mean, of today, they would be like ISIS or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're the the religion that's kind of the same and say they're the same, but clearly aren't the same, right? Well, that to us would be maybe like Islam or something like that. And not only that, they were they were radical, right? They were radicalized. They were doing crazy things to try and, like, cause major disruption in, in the Israeli community and different things. Like, and he's, and, and that's his example of your neighbor. And yeah. um, if if that's who we're supposed to love in that context, right? If, if, if we go, so Jesus, who's my neighbor? Which lives matter? And he goes, ISIS. Can you go love them? Like, um, now I'm not suggesting you do what those guys did, like, a few years ago where they went and, like, tried to hug ISIS and got beheaded. You know, maybe use, <laughs> like, wisdom in that. Um, yeah. Jesus, help us all. Um, but like, I think if that's the case, surely we should be looking at people that are different. And yeah, maybe we look at people that are different that scare us sometimes. ISIS scare me. I, I would be very scared at the thought of trying to love ISIS practically. But that's what we're called to do. If, if you're going to take this seriously and follow it, it doesn't mean that it, it to be honest with you, to, to be frank, Jesus' followers were frequently killed. Like yeah. it doesn't even mean that you get to live actually. 
Jesus yeah. doesn't call you to live forever. He calls you to yeah. love people to potentially death. Um, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. But yeah, so this this protective mechanism of our group and, and making sure we feel safe, it just seems so antithetical to the gospel uh, Phil, or my reading Phil, of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're spot on, Phil. And and I know so many people in the American or in, in, in the American church or whatever who would call you and I a heretic for saying that. But you have to remember, Jesus himself was a heretic. Period. Yeah. One thing yeah. I want to one thing I want to kind of draw a circle around, if, you know, is so Phil, like, you know, obviously, you know, I'm an American, right? And I know you live in the UK, um, and this idea of like nationalism that's really overtaken mm. the church. Um, and, you know, we, we, there's all this talk of like, who is my neighbor? You mentioned ISIS, you know, which is like, out, you know, the <laughs> enemy number one, you know, in our minds. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned like, we're scared of them, you know, and so much of the, the things that we do, the, th- the reasons why we, I think, keep our, our neighbors at arm's length, the reason we don't love them, the reason that we mistreat them is because we're scared of them. And I would argue it's insane that with the amount of military power that the, U- the United States has, that we're the ones who are the most scared. Like I've just been hearing mm. a lot about like gun sales going up more than ever because of the election. And I, I mean, it's because we're scared. We're scared yeah. of each other. And like, I just think like, at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> yeah, like you don't need to go like give ISIS a hug. Like you need to, we need to take a good, specifically in the American church, like we need to take a good hard look at the ways that we have fundamentally wronged, killed, caused mass genocide. We've, we've, we like in the, the idea that we we have this special relationship with God and you know and it's like it's just so insane. How did we get here? Like the fact that like <laughs> uh, we can do so much harm in the name of Jesus and 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 disrupt the world. Mm. Man, it's terrifying. Like I I it it's a lot, man. I mean, I, my mind's thinking a million thoughts at once, but um, I I just. Gosh, man, love or the lack of it. That's that's the root of our problems. And at the end of the day, we're we're scared of each other. And and yeah. dude, as this as the military superpower in the world, you know, I, I mentioned Christianity as like the biggest offender. It's like it's Christianity, and then I feel like it's 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 America, man. It's like mm. it's embarrassing. Like I've never been more embarrassed to call myself a Christian and I've never been more embarrassed to be an American. Mm. I have to say. <laughs> it's it's a weird, weird component because it's, it's just strange as an outsider. So, I mean, I, I have the privilege of, I mean, I love America so much. I absolutely, I get to come multiple times a year when there's not a global pandemic. I love being in America. Most of the people I work with day and day are American. Um, and I, I loved living in America when I lived there. Um, but as an outsider, I had this like fly on the wall component. So you come mm-hmm. into America and you look at it and you, and you, they talk about we're the best country in the world. We have the best everything. And you're like, dude, 
if I like cut my leg in this country, I'd be scared of dying um, <laughs> because I'm just totally poor. Again, yeah. a key component to be an American because actually you have worse poverty than most of the world, <laughs> most of the developed world. Um, you have much more riches and wealth than most of the world as well. But the bit in the middle, not so great. Um, you know, and then if you aren't somewhere in the middle or up, you're going to die because you got sick, you know, and things like that. Like that doesn't happen in any other developed country in the world. Um, and so like things like where you're just like, things are not the way that people see them. Like we, we only see this way. And then you start to think about stuff like this fear, this terrifying fear. You know, you look at, uh, I saw a, a picture, like it was months ago now probably, but it was America and it was surrounded by um, Iraqi, no, it was like Iran flags or something. And it was like, imagine every one of these Iran flags, and it was all the way across the Canadian border, all the way around Mexican border, and then like dotted around some islands and stuff. Imagine each of these was an Iran military base. How mm-hmm. nervous would you feel? How scared would you feel? And they were like, that is what it's like being in Iran. You are surrounded by American bases. In fact, mm-hmm. pretty much every country on the planet has an American military base in it and surrounding it. Um, yeah. and, and so like, there's this thing of like fear. But I think one of the things that's so fascinating in that is America lives more disconnected from the world than any place I've ever been in. Um, you know, just... A large part of it is it's so huge. You, you know, yeah. you can travel from Arizona to New England and you can have a very different experience. It can be an amazing trip. It's a totally different experience. You don't need to go to, um, you know, uh, Paris to have a different trip. You can go over to Portland and it's a crazy, yeah. amazing experience. And then you go to New York the next weekend and it's amazing. So a lot of Americans don't go as far and far beyond. Never mind. Maybe they go to Europe. Are they going to go for a holiday in Kazakhstan? right? Or, um, or Iraq? No. And so do they come across many Kurds, many Muslims, many Hindus? Um, and so there's just this not, there's not this component where I remember when I spent a bit of time in the Middle East, just sitting there and watching parents like laughing with their kids and the kids trying to walk and falling over and they're picking it up and they're getting excited about their kid learning to walk. And I'm like, they're us. Holy crap. Like there was just this moment where in this culture, it felt very intimidating because it was so different. I was told all the Muslims are terrorists and everything. And I'd actually just come back from living in America for four years. So that had just really been hammered into me to a whole new degree. And suddenly I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, these people are me. Yeah. In a very, very real way. And I'm terrified of them in a totally irrational and disconnected way. I'm not saying there's not a reason to be scared that there's terrorists in the world or bad people in the world. Of course there are. It's a bit like the American gun argument. I, I always, always baffled by the gun argument. So I've talked to them because in Europe we're, we're much less uh, gung-ho. Um, in Britain, like we had one major uh, school shooting, a mass shooting. It was just one mass shooting. And then everyone was like, should we just not have guns? Would that be better? And everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. And we just all gave our guns back. And that was it. There was just no more guns. Um and, and it was just like, no, of course, no, let's stop that. And we haven't had a mass shooting since. There's been no mass shootings. Um, so when I got to America and everyone was like, yeah, but I've got to protect my family. You know, what about rapists and murderers? And I was like, who are you? Are you like a mob boss? Like, who do you think is wanting to break into your house and rape and murder all your family? Like, is that a common thing in America? Does people just break into homes? And the only people breaking into homes and killing people in America are the police. Um, <laughs> and if you shoot at them, you're in big trouble. Um but it's just this weird, it's come out of very fearful, very, very, like Americans are fearful that someone's going to break into their house and kill them. I'm like, I've never in my entire life had any thought that someone would break into my home. 
I, I just yeah. had never even thought of it before. Um, and it's a real component that dehumanizes others. It, yeah. it allows us to like, you know, to cheer when someone like George Bush says, yeah, we're going to blow them all away in the name of God. I think that was, I might be a quite, not quite right as far as the, the quote, but it's pretty close. And, and you go, that doesn't sound like God. It doesn't sound like Jesus, but I'm scared of them. And they're the bad guys and they're evil and they're whatever. Quick. Sorry, it's a bit of a ramble, yeah. but I think no, there's a no. lot going on there with fear and disconnection and not seeing the other as ourselves. And, yeah. yeah, that that disconnection in particular, Phil. So you talk about like, you know, you know I saw a tweet the other day that just, it was just hilarious. Um, and I'm not the most well-traveled. I mean, I've definitely traveled a lot. I've, you know, I've been all over the world uh, enough times to kind of have been exposed to like, not just what I was raised in, but there's this tweet that just, it killed me. It said like the people that are most likely to claim that America is the greatest nation on earth uh, have literally never moved outside a 30 mile radius. Wow. And, uh, (laughs) and it's like, it was, it was really intended as a joke. And, but it's funny, like you talk about like, you know, this disconnect, the, the, the fear, you know, um, cite this rhetoric from Donald Trump as America first, which by the way, we're supposed to put our neighbors before ourselves. And how are we a Christian nation again? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm confused on that one, but uh, you know, the, the, I have this image in my mind of like, and don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's, it's weird. Like, again, I, I'm, you know, then this is the American in me where I'm like, no, I, I want to honor my, mil- my, you know, veterans and, and my military. But it's like, I think of like this jacked, like swole, like muscle head, like who drives a truck and he's intimidating and he's going to kick your ass and he fucking drinks create like, you know, like he drinks protein shakes and he's just a badass and he's flexing. And, uh, you know, he has AK 47s and he's, he has a, you know, Donald Trump flag on the back of his truck. And yeah, he can kick your ass, but how funny is it that when you really shrink it down to size, you realize that person is actually the most scared of all of us. Mm. It's kind of weird. Like when, when you realize, like when you, when you put a, when you put aside all of this, you know, all the theatrics and, and, and you see it for what it is, it's like, Oh, you're scared. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, dude, like you're buff, but you're scared, you know. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a weird time we're in. As a whole, uh, you know, in the world, you know, and I feel like the problem that like what you're describing is because, and especially with social media, we, we have more exposure to one another than ever. Um, you know, here we are, you know, I don't know how many some thousand miles away you are. You're in a different time zone. It's, you know, it's 830 in the morning where I am. It's, you know, 430 where you are in, you know, in the afternoon. Uh, we don't like we're more connected than ever. But and yet, like we're still we can't zoom out and see like. That you're the only person that matters, like. Again, America first is the most dangerous and antichrist thing you could ever say uh, because it, it flies in the face of what Jesus said, which is mm. to 
to put your neighbor first, you know, to love, to love, you know, and to, and to love your enemies. Um, I, it, it's, it's weird. Like when I think of like reality and there's so many like ideologies that are, you know, that could be flying around and, oh, this will be, this will create a utopia communism versus, you know, whatever socialism or whatever. But it's like, when I think of like the world, the thing that I love about America is I feel like given our, our military soup, you know, whatever, I'm not advocating that for this, but I'm just saying like in the world as it is now and, and how violence runs rampant, I think what's great is we have this, America is so powerful. We have the ability with our nuclear weapons, we can, we can, we can hold people accountable. We can, we can, we can look at Russia and we can say not, no, we can look at China and we can say, no, dude, like we're going to hold, we're going to keep you from blowing this fucking world up. I, to a certain degree, it's like, yes, we need, like, I guess we need that. But when you look at the Bible, it's Jesus preaches nonviolence. He, like, he, like you said, Jesus followers, the early disciples were killed. They didn't have weapons. They were yeah. killed. They were burned at the stake. And it it's just a joke that the people who are holding up a flag with a gun in the other and a Bible at the in the middle, that they would th- they they would dare to think that they're the ones who are <laughs> who are persecuted or marginalized or in any way being threatened. It's a joke. Yeah. It's a joke. I, and again, with the way that this plays out in reality, it's like, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it, it, you know, there's a lot here that it's like, okay, how much of this is like me being practical? How much of this is just, you know, pie in the sky? Like, you know, like, let's just, you know, kumbaya, like come around the fire, love each other. But it's like the template set by Jesus is so different than what we claim to live out. And that right there is the biggest reason why we're all leaving. The biggest reason why we leads to doubt. It leads to deconstruction. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, And so now we're just left to pick up the pieces, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think like you said, there's a lot of reason to be a a little bit despairing and a a lot to be hopeful about. I think, I think, you know, like you said, things, things are changing. People are deconstructing. It's a, rapid um expansion of 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 people like that are stepping out of that and recognizing the problems in the system and recognizing some of the problems in their own kind of spirituality and trying to reshape and reform that spirituality like there's a lot to be hopeful about um but yeah and i can see why why christians are scared i can see they might not be uh persecuted in a minority yet but I can see that there's a writing on the wall. I can see that they can, that the Christians are waking up to the fact that, huh, we're not growing, we're shrinking. And people are calling us out for a crap and we don't get away with it anymore. And is that persecution? Well, maybe from their perspective it is, but it, I think it's just being held accountable for, for the crap that you've done at the end of the day. But again, I can see why that makes them feel unsafe and scared and, you know, and we all act out of, out of that. So. And, and yeah, you look at I got it. and you look at Jesus the Jew, right? You look at Jesus in his day and age. He was the one holding the establishment accountable. And Phil, mm-hmm. the thing that I love about you, that's what you're doing. 
I would argue that you're more like Jesus than most Christians that I know today. I don't know. I mean, we've <laughs> talked, I know, I know you, you know, again, you, you, you struggle with certain identifiers, but, um, and, it, and, it, and it's not just all like, oh, you're, look, look at you, you're an idiot, like you're a piece of shit. Like it's not just anybody can do that. Sure. But it's this idea that you can, you can be of it, you can be part of something, but you can also critique it. Yeah. And it doesn't make you a threat. It makes you, it makes you a change agent. It makes you, I would, again, I, I, and I know I put Jesus on a pedestal, but it's like, it makes you the most like Jesus. And I don't think, you know, and if you're saying you're a Christian and if you're saying that you, you are a follower of Jesus then do as your rabbi does period. Otherwise you're a hypocrite, you know, and you're not, a, and, and, and you're Phil, I just, I give you a lot of credit, man. You're doing, you're doing, the, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> well, I, I, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate what you're doing as well. I mean, I love what you're putting out on social media is really great. And what you're doing with a podcast and creating some amazing conversations and, and challenging people in the same ways and going, look, let's be honest about Christianity. Let's be honest about our faith. Let's be honest about our doubts. Let's be honest about what's good about this, but let's be really honest about what might not be so good about that. Like, I think it's really important. It's really great. Um, I want to respect your time and, and I'm aware we've been chatting for a couple of hours. Um, but how can people track with you? What's, what's the best ways your, your podcast, refreshingly honest Christian, we'll make sure that yeah. there's a link to that. Um, where else can people connect with you if they, if they want to? Yeah. Um, yeah, the podcast, I mean, we have, you know, about 30 conversations, uh, just again with, people all over the map, people, you know, some Christians, some atheists, everywhere in between, uh, you know, certain church leaders. That's a great, I mean, yeah, we've, we've put a lot of work in there and we're going to keep doing it. We, we have we release podcasts every Thursday. Um, but as far as social media goes, like I tend to hang out more on Instagram. <laughs> um, and I know you're on Instagram too, Phil. Yeah. Uh, I try to hang out on Twitter. I still haven't, I'm not uh, the, the, I'm not the coolest uh, the person on Twitter, but I really do love Twitter. I think it's a great place for community to, to have these conversations and to see, to expose yourself to what other people are doing. So we're there, but um, yeah, man, refreshingthonestchristian.com if you want to reach out to us and uh, that's where you can find me. Cool. I'll make sure those links are in the show notes and uh, so you can look below or look on your phone or whatever you're doing right now. Um but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a good, fun conversation. I feel like we, we yeah. can talk about almost anything for a while. I said to my wife, she was like, how do you feel about your podcast? Because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I've not, I've not got the giddy up in my step. Or maybe I'm talking to someone I don't know at all. And I'm a bit like, yeah. oh, I don't know. It might be good. It might be a bit of, I don't know. And usually <laughs> every conversation I have is usually great. But I was like, oh no, this will be fine. Like we've, we've talked already and like we clicked and it'll be fine. I'm not even, yeah. I haven't even thought about it. Like I'm really excited. <laughs> so oh, man, I, yeah. I, I really enjoyed chatting. I feel the same way, man. Yeah. And by the way, your podcast is coming out. So at the time of this recording, it's November 10th. Your podcast that we recorded together will be out Thursday. So I would encourage uh, people sweet. to check that out. It was a great, I mean, seriously, I loved connecting with you, man. I, and I'm not just saying that, like, because you're right. Like certain people you're like, it, it connects or it doesn't, but, but yeah, man, I've, I've loved following you and, and uh, you've got so much, you got so much insight and so much to offer, uh, you know, in this space and to these people who are 
who are wrestling and figuring it out. And so, yeah, man, I just, I appreciate, I appreciate the work you're doing and it's, it's yeah, it's, it's just easy to talk to you. Thank yeah. you. Well, yours is coming out next, next Thursday. So, cause I'm, I'm rapidly running out of podcasts. Um, so I'm recording a few this week, but I bring out two a week and like, they just, I, I feel like, oh yeah, I've got like eight. That's great. And then like I blink and a month has gone by and they're all gone. And I'm like, damn it, I need to record some more. Um, so I'm, yeah. I'm rapidly running out. So uh, I'm, I'm recording a bunch this week, but I'm, I'm planning to bring us out. This, if people are listening to this or watching this, it'll probably be the 19th. So that cool. podcast I did with you will already be out as well. So people can cool. check that out. Awesome. Um, but probably not. Go check out one of the other podcasts, guys. Like, you know, you've had like loads of great people on it. And they, if they're listening to us right now, they've, they've heard enough of me. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, it's great to connect, man. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. stay in touch and I'll, I'll let you know when it's out on Thursday and send right, you man. links or whatever. But, uh, All right, Phil. cool. All right. Love you, man. Love you, bro. Take care. Later, yeah. Peace. All right. All right, that was David Metcalf of the Refreshingly Honest Christian Podcast. Um, I'd encourage you to check that podcast out. You can find it on any podcast app. You can um, find links to those, um, you know, a, over at refreshinglyhonestchristian.com. You'll, you'll find links to that. You can find those links below um, in the show notes as well as Instagram link. He's just Refreshingly Honest Christian. Um, do shoot him a message, shoot him a DM and tell him how much you enjoyed this episode uh, you know give him a bit of encouragement with what he's doing um, i'm sure he'd be very happy to to hear from you um, if you are going through deconstruction if you are going through it and you feel isolated and lonely like i said at the beginning the deconstructionnetwork.com is a great place to plug in um, and find other people that are going through this journey not all of us have the same conclusions beliefs you know as we deconstruct we often find ourselves in very different places from one another but the beautiful thing that ties us together is the what we have come from the process of healing and growth that we're on is such a uh, a unique bond and, and very few people understand what it's like to come out of those very extreme fundamental backgrounds into something free and um, and so it can mean so much to have someone that can just laugh and cry with you through this process and so check out the deconstructionnetwork.com if you're feeling lonely and would like to see if there's other people in your area um, or maybe you feel you're in a place where you could help other people in your area that are going through this and, and struggling and, and just offers us some support and friendship. Um, that would be a beautiful thing to offer. Um, as always, this is completely uh, free. The podcast, my time, I spend hours a day chatting with people and helping them deconstruct and going on their journey. Um, the resources I put out, the deconstruction network, all those things cost time, they take money. I have no other income. This is my full-time job. And so if you'd like to support what I'm doing, you can become a Patreon. You can become a partner. You can do that at patreon.com slash phildrysdale or phildrysdale.com slash partner. They're the same thing. I think I get a little bit more uh, via my website because Patreon take a bigger cut. Um, either way, as a thank you, you get access to my private discussion group. We have amazing discussions over there. Um, you uh, will get access to a monthly Zoom call. Um, for some of the higher perks, you can end up um, with Skypes with me, you know, one-on-one -on -one conversations and things like that. Um, if you cannot afford to give, there's never any obligation. As you all know, I'm here always. Just shoot me a message on Instagram. I'd love to chat with you and connect with you, help you on your journey. Um, but if you would like to support what I'm doing, it would make a huge difference. Um, and so I really appreciate every one of you that does that. Um, and yeah, that's everything from me for today. I'll see you uh, on Monday next week for our next podcast. I forgot what day it was there. Um, I love you all big time. Thanks for your... Um, 
patronage. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for the lovely messages you send me. Um, I am honored and privileged to have your attention. I really am. And I really hope these podcasts help you and encourage you in your journey. Peace and love, my friends.